For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Uh, hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by a very handsome man with a big moustache, Mr Matt Johnson. Hi there. Thank you very much for mentioning the moustache. This episode will go out in December, but we should probably point out that it is November where, we, where we're recording. They'll be like, that's not Matt Johnson, that's Ron Burgundy. <laughs> You're looking good. 60% of the time it works every time. It's, it, it's, it's at the most bushiest, uh, as we were recording this podcast, it's late November, and this is my attempt for a Movember. Uh, every year for the month of November, I look like Super Mario. You're looking good, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you very much, brother. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. As we were talking about, very much a, a strange time just now, especially in the lead up mm. to Christmas. It's usually buzzing and everyone's ha- happening and, and out and about. And it, it just seems a bit deflated, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like the normal build-up to a festive season, does it, at all? Uh, to be honest, no seasons have made sense this year. I think summer lasted for like eight months, but it feels like a distant dream or like, like a weird, um, it didn't feel like it happened, to be honest. And all of a sudden we're in the end of November, now December. And um, it just it just feels like possibly the, one of the weirdest years of all time. Yeah, uh, and, and also scariest. And also, you know, all, all the things that have come with 2020. Uh, I hope, hopefully, we've learned a lot from it. I definitely have. What would you take away from it? You, you're always a, a very positive person, and I know that you, you wear your heart on your sleeve as well. And I think it's so mm. easy in these times to focus on the negatives, but I mean, you, you've got to think of some positive somewhere, haven't you? I think you are right, um, and it's very interesting you say that that I'm a positive person because I do, I do, I've been diagnosed with depression, so it's the opposite most of the time. I've had some bad bad experiences with um, quite chronic bad depression in my time, 10 years ago, nearly taking my own life. But you are right. I think in working environments, in, and especially we used to work together, and I think we should find this out for your, to your list, we used to work together on the People's Postcode Lottery. And uh, how can you not be happy giving somebody 30 grand traveling around the country and, and enjoying, you know, spending time and having the banter with you lot and all that. It's just, you know, it's magical. And I, I, I tend, I've found in the, over the last few years, um, p- trying to be present is very important for me. So in that moment, if I'm present, how can I not be in a good mood and positive? But really interestingly, over the last six months, maybe just this entire year, it's really tested my, um, my positivity, my attitude uh, towards um, life in general, everything. And I think it has done for, for lots of people because as soon as that fun purpose or your day job, but it gives you that responsibility or it gives you a sense of belonging, whatever it does, that was taken away from, from most of us, um, uh, from nearly all of us, actually. And, and, and I think it really, in a very, very interesting way, trying to keep positive is one thing. And I think that's very important. But also letting go a bit and saying, yeah, this is shit. It's all right to feel a bit shit today. I am going to spend the day in pyjamas. And I'm going to watch, I'm going to need to try and complete Disney Plus today. And that's fine. I think that's 
one of the biggest things that I definitely learned uh, throughout the year, for sure. And it's interesting you touched on that there, Matt, because I, I say that you're a positive person and you automatically combat that I've been diagnosed with depression. You know, <laughs> I think that's probably, you'll know better than me, you know, you've spoke about this many a time and obviously you've been a big mental health advocate, but, you know, that's something that I feel often you don't know what's beneath the, stuff, the surface and, and someone mm. might always come across as a positive person, but like you says, there's so many challenges going on behind the scenes. Yeah, one of, one of the biggest messages especially during the month of November. Uh, I'm an ambassador for them and for mine. I feel desperately sorry for men, uh, especially uh, that don't feel like they can truly be themselves. And like you say, um, on the surface, people can feel uh, happy in the life and the soul of the party. They're the class clown or the, the office joker, the guy that's first at the pub and the last at the pub. I mean, and, and more often than not, what everybody has a depth of personality. And more often than not, these people are, are struggling in some sort of way. And I feel, and it's, and it's more um, men, as you know, the suicide rates for men are atrocious. And, um, and it, needs, it needs to be highlighted how, how dangerous it is for you not to live a life that's truthful. Or I'm going to say the word that gets thrown around all the time, but authentic. So. And what it, what it comes down to me is, is that when I, when, I, when I constantly, at the moment this year has been very tough for men and I get DMs from men saying, oh, I think I'm struggling. And that's, that's, that's a big deal for them to do that. And more often than not, the suppression of that, I'm fine, everything's going to be great, I'm, I'm just going to plow through, plow through, stiff up a lip, is actually killing men by their millions a year because they're not actually truly in tune with who, who they are how they feel and if they don't feel as if they're worth having a conversation or don't feel as if they're worth the self-care of um, just saying to their friends, I'm not having a good day today. Because every friend out there, if they're a true friend, would open with open arms try and help. So that I feel one of the major concerns for for men and especially and, and women out there is is that true mask that we put on, pretending that we're okay. Pretend, and even it goes as far as then pretending that, oh, I'll be okay if I look as if I've got a good life on Instagram. Yeah. I'll be okay if I have a car and a Rolex and a good job and a beautiful wife and all these things that are supposed to make me happy. And what often happens, and the people I speak to all the time, every single day, that doesn't always make people happy because they have subscribed to a life that isn't truth, truthful to their own cause. It's not what they really want. You touched on it there and you says, you know, if you were a good friend, you would be happy for someone to tell you how they felt. But I think the hardest thing for, for men and for women is actually telling someone, isn't it? It's actually mm. making that step. It's almost like opening up and admitting, you know, there's a problem here. It's, yeah, it's... and you're absolutely right. Uh, and that, that is, the, I think, the biggest step, the absolute biggest step, because the, the work you have to do afterwards is, is it's a process and it's not easy, etc. But I, I've been there. I, I, I was that guy 10 years ago, just over 11 years ago, actually, when I was so chronically down and nearly out. And I just couldn't tell my girlfriend at the time. I said I was going to the doctors because I had skin complaint. Um, I couldn't really open up. And, and I would self-medicate because I was just pretending to be okay constantly. I self-medicated with alcohol, which I know a lot of people do because it's so incredibly scary uh, to be honest and to be vulnerable. And I mean, especially men, 
men are desperately afraid to be vulnerable because we, we've been told bullshit lies, like we should be strong and tough and all the stuff. And, and, and the fear of judgment kills people because people would rather not put themselves out there and be honest um, because of the fear of somebody judging them because the, of the way they probably judge other people. And, and, and again, all this fear is killing people. I would like to think that, you know, we, we are on a, a different path now. You will have grown up in, in Wales. You're a big rugby fan. I can imagine it would be mm. quite a, a tough place to grow up, you know. And, mm. and actually, back then, if, if you were to say, I'm feeling a bit down or I'm not feeling myself, it would be the, the old cliche is like, man up, you know, pull yourself mm. together. <laughs> and I would like to think that from positive conversations like we're having just now and, you know, mm. you've had for the past 11 years, uh, people are now starting to look at the world in a bit of a different way and, and it's not as much of a taboo to actually speak out. It, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I, I definitely think the main problem is is the taboo that's constantly in people's minds. So like you say, uh, yes, the conversations are really great. The services aren't as good as what they could be and they're desperately coming, coming up short. Um, but the, there's still a huge stigma uh, surrounding vulnerability, especially with men, and, and especially mental health, because you know they at the moment as well. There's there's so many people talking about it, and there's so many people as well going on the news, going on to different programs, and opening up and all that type of stuff. And what comes with that is the odd cynicism of people saying, "Oh God, they'll they're just doing that because they want to just be on the telly," or "Woe is me," and that lack of understanding uh, comes in. And what happens in people's minds is like, oh, do you know what? I don't want to be judged like them. Because my dad, I just overheard my dad say, oh, there she is, banging on about a bloody suicide attempt again. And that person goes, well, I shouldn't talk about mine. And, and that stigma, and even worse, what nearly killed me, mate, was the stigma and the language that I used in my own mind. So I was sitting there going, what the fuck have you got to be depressed about, you big pussy? Just get on with it. You've got a girlfriend, a family, and all these things. What's wrong? You must be cursed. Like, what the hell, you know, just snap out of it. So nobody ever said that to me. Maybe subconsciously I picked up language like that from my environment. Nobody wants, nobody really sits down and goes, don't ever talk about your feelings to me because I will judge you. And if you do, you're a pussy. Nobody says that. But in our minds, we think that's what people are going to say. And we think that's what people are going to say because that's how we talk to ourselves. Now, that self-talk is what nearly... <laughs> ended my life because I, I literally began this huge hatred towards myself for feeling this way. And, and I think that that stigma, that, that attachment of shame is absolutely huge and rife and is running rife through everybody at the moment. Matt, what, what do you think, if it's not too personal to ask, what, mm. what do you think was the turning point where you thought, do you know what, I'm going to seek help here and I'm going to speak out about it. And, you know, I don't care if people think I'm a big pussy, as he says, you know, mm. this is more important for me to go forward and it will make me a better person or a, or a more rounded, happy person going forward. Well, well, I wish it was more of a brave moment for me. And I mean, there wasn't one moment when I said, I'm going to become an ambassador for this and I'm going to help people because everything, like most things in life, they're, they're all happening by accident and they happen to you and it depends what, how you react to them. Um, I, I attempted suicide and I, and I, I couldn't do it. Uh, there, there was two occasions when I was in Spain in 2009. Um, I 
I woke up the next morning after taking lo- lots of stuff and didn't didn't work and then couldn't jump off a balcony and I knew I couldn't do it. And and I came back and it wasn't a it was Christmas Eve I came back as well. It wasn't like it's a wonderful life. I'm running down the street going, Eureka, Merry Christmas, I'm gonna live forever. Um, it was a hard slog. It was a hard Christmas. And thank God, I well, at the time I didn't have any tools, any tools to deal with any bad things, which is why I got myself um, in a bit of a rut. Um, but the, the, the major thing was for me, I subconsciously needed, and I knew what I needed. So I, I, I signed up to, to run the London Marathon, never run a marathon before. Um, so I had something physical to you know, look forward to. I wanted to get back into shape because I'd been drinking like a, like a fool for months. Um, I learned to drive very quickly. So I, that independence and that self-respect kind of came and with, with all that, started to socialize more because I was drinking on my own mostly. Um, at least I was going out and you know, having fun with it instead of just necking Morrison's bourbon in an apartment, <laughs> which I wouldn't advise. It's not great for your skin either. Um, but then later on, you know, I, I, I pointed away, went and worked on this morning, ITV, moved to London then within the next year. And then everything happened very quickly. Um, I got a TV show in 2013 where we were doing these interviews around the table with all these press um, outlets. And they asked me what I was raising money for. And um, I said, for mine, charity. And they were like, why? And I went, oh, wow, you know, in, you know three years ago, I, I nearly took my own life. And, and uh, I really want to help them. I run the marathon for them two years ago. And then now I just want to help them as much as I can and help people like me. And they were like, what? Go back. No man talks about this. And in 2013, I don't think anybody was. It was a few people were like so brazenly. So, but the problem with that situation is that I didn't do that properly. I didn't. I just. I just spewed it out in some sort of round table press meeting. They went mental for it. They. They. Uh, they were people. It. Pardon? I couldn't believe it. So well, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't believe the honesty. And yeah. because what happens normally, people get a publicist and they deliver this news. Of course. And it's a grand thing. And, or, or not a grand thing, or it's just, this is something I need to say. And um, people are very interested in, in obviously, these, these mental health stories. But for me, I was like, well, that's just what happened. And then very quickly, I realized the wrath, not the wrath, the interest of media and press outlets. Now they wanted to attach the reasons why I nearly took my own life to an ex-girlfriend, which was unfair. They wanted to, you know, sensationalize it in some sort of way, put like a reason, and I didn't know at the time. I, I, this is, it was only three years previously. And in that time, I just got myself together. I didn't have any therapy. I didn't have any uh, alternative therapies or tools really. Um, and then by talking about it, because I had to then, because my agent was like, well, you're going to have to tell this story properly because other people are going to be dragged into this. And I was very lucky to go and talk about it on this morning with Ruth and Eamon. And I thought I'd do it there because I trust them. Um, I can get it done. Millions of people can watch. That's the truth. It's live. It, it's not like somebody can misconstrue anything or take it, take it out of context. It's just done. And... And that's how I did it. And, and mind were amazing during that time. They really helped me out. They helped me get into a position where I was comfortable and being honest and responsible with my delivering of the story and the message and all that. Um, 
And that was the way that I became a ambassador for mine. That was the way that I started then because millions of people were so kind over the next few weeks after I first talked about it. Millions of people were amazing. One or two, literally one or two people were twats about it. And rightly so, because they, they didn't know anything about mental health. They looked at somebody on the TV with slick hair and, and stubble and went, what a prick, how can you be depressed? And I understand that, because that's how I talk to myself. Um, but in, in their millions, people were so incredible. And then it changed me, it changed my life, my purpose changed, um, my interaction with my followers changed. I quickly then started to become more of an ambassador and, um, and other things that felt important to me weren't that important to me anymore. I just wanted to help as many people as I could. And, and I just realized the power of honesty and the power of being truthful was much greater than the power of being on telly and having followers and all that stuff, you know, and, and that, that's how it all started. There's, there's a couple of points there, Matt, that, that I want to pick up on. Firstly, you mentioned, you know, that people talking about mental health, and this is something that we spoke to, spoke to yourself about before we started the podcast. I feel that, mm. you know, I've done over 50 episodes now, and there's been so many people who have come forward to me and said, I want to tell you my story about mental health, or I think you should talk about mental health. And to be honest, I've not felt comfortable doing that because I think if you're going to do it, you have to do it sincerely and you have to do it to a certain level where, you know, it, it makes a difference. And I think, you know, you're the perfect example of that. And that's why I'm very glad to have you on here because I think that there is so many people that jump on this bandwagon of doing it for, for what they would see as the right reason, but it's maybe not actually having the best impact. I think it's really interesting and and yeah, it was a couple of things a couple of years ago. I was invited, well, actually maybe a year ago, I was invited on to Good Morning Britain to talk about mental health, but more of a debate um, with de a debate about somebody from Coronation Street said, oh, people are on the TV talking about mental health like it's fashionable, like a new Gucci handbag or something. And so I was going to go onto a program and, and with, with Piers Morgan as well. The world, um, and, and debate whether it's like a, a fashion, like, uh, like a purse, uh, whether people are jumping on, like you say, like bandwagons and, mm. and all that type of stuff. And, and there's a great danger, and I said no, obviously, there's a great danger in this, this, this becoming something of uh, a judged platform or a judged conversation. Because in reality, Everybody has mental health. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has elements of mental illness. There's severe cases and there's mild cases. But everybody, it's just health, you know? Yeah. So when somebody, I, I, the problem would be is that it's the sensationalizing. So if somebody from uh, a reality show wants to say, hey, I, I struggle with my anxieties and I'm going to use my platform to encourage people to talk about their own anxieties and normalize the conversation surrounding it. And there's always going to be people judging that. And, you know, like I just said, the judgment comes from a lack of education on the subject. And like I said as well, I judge myself. So I understand my environment told me that I, I didn't deserve to feel this way. And therefore, I, I'm, 
I'm I'm just being a pussy and all that type of stuff. And 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 and, and the, the problem is is that people, like I said, people will overhear this. Oh, he's just banging on about his mental health again. So it's not. So he's not banging on. Like the newspapers have got hold of it, and everybody's printed the story, and you're online all the time, and you might see it all the time. And that's just one person's one conversation with one person spread around everywhere. But what the the the, the, the important thing to remember is, is that the, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. There might be somebody out there going, oh, do you know what? I got loads of likes when I said I was depressed the other day. I'm just going to talk about it all the time. And there might be people out there like that. Oh, fair play to them. And, and fuck them because they're, 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 they're belittling people that actually quiver and shake and, 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 and are scared about opening up. And they're utilizing and capitalizing. I hate the word capitalize. It's my least favorite word in the entire world. It doesn't, for me, deserve a place in the world of mental health. But you know what? If, if that one person is then followed by thousands of people who are genuine and authentic and truthful and really want to make a difference, that's absolutely fine by me. And, and I don't want anybody out there to feel like um, it's a bandwagon. Because whatever, do you know what? If mental health is fashionable forever, I'd be more than happy. Like, like really happy. If, if this is like in vogue, like, oh, brands are starting to get behind this and people are starting to really talk about this in the press and the media and the movies and, and, and soap stars have got these things that people have, you know, and they're, they're really telling the truth and stories that actually really happen to people. Brilliant. Like, may it be fashionable forever. I, I don't want it to ever go out of fashion because, as we know, it's, as I discussed as well, the suicide rates are extraordinary and they are so catastrophic. It's mind-blowing. It's really difficult to put your, to picture um, 84 men dying a week, isn't it? Yeah. It's <laughs> in the entire world. And it's just so staggering that, so what if one person's insincere about it? You know, I know millions that are. So, I mean, the, the biggest problem is, is that people would, be feel, would feel like they're judged um, by the way they're judging other people and feel like the taboo of this um, bandwagon is a thing. It's not a thing. If you're telling the truth, tell the truth. And there's so many people out there that would happily um, want to listen to you and uh, welcome your, your honesty with open arms. And the other point, Matt, that was very eloquently put. Uh, the, the other point that I wanted to touch on was something that you mentioned, you know, when you first spoke about your mental health and, and your own struggle, was the way that the, the press and the media, they, they jump on this like vultures. And you mentioned, you know, they try and spin it and, and put it to an ex-girlfriend's mm -hmm. brought you to this and bring all these nonsensical stories in. You know, it's like, I think that plays a huge part just now. You know, and, and, and it certainly yeah. must in, in your line of work as well. You must see that day in, day out. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, like I said, the biggest problem with um, multimedia and social media um, is that it, you, you do see a lot of the same stories and you do see sensationalised clickbait stories and, and all that type of stuff. And, uh, and recently I was talking to a friend of mine who and we've both lost a friend. I've lost a few friends over the last 10 years of suicide and we lost one uh, this year. And, and the fear, 
what happened in this situation, what happens in lots of situations, and I know this is, you know, especially with women, is that um, multimedia take on one story and they throw it everywhere. And everybody feels that that, that one person has asked for that or has demanded this, this time on your, your timeline. Uh, and it could be things like, um, uh, I was talking to my friend, Laura Whitmore, and, and it could be like, leggy Laura walking, flaunting her new legs or her legs on her new shoes. She gets new legs all the time now, Laura Whitmore. Um, yeah, leggy, leggy Laura Whitmore flaunting her cleavage walking down the street. Now, it's just Laura walking down the street, right? But the language that's used there is so damaging subconsciously as well unconsciously so so some people could see that and go oh for fuck's sake laura stop walking down the street and showing off the tits which is not true she's just walking down the street and it's sensationalized and it's thrown around so much that people tend to get bored of it people get sick of it and that's a very cynical and very snidey and very snaky way in which our generally not all press are bad people. Like I've got friends who are journalists and they work in papers that I don't actually like, you know, not everybody is like that, but on mass clickbait, you know, these, these alternative press sources that you see popping up. Like when I get caught up in like a hello magazine story, you get hello going, boom, that's the story. You know, Matt's doing a bike ride somewhere, but like there's loads of people. I have no idea who they are, where they come from. It's like maybe they're bots or something. It's just like, thousands of, of like generating stories about this one thing and then people try and twist it and then people say oh matt johnson leggy walking down the street with his showing his boobies off or something and it's that's the, the problem it? it's the language is degrading and it, it, yeah. it also paints a picture of someone that isn't necessarily true yeah and that's what's very um uh, subliminal and, and, and very sneaky about it. And, you know, and, and do you know what? It's, it's no different to how, well, I, I see now Twitter as being a, a form of media. So there can be a Twitter article or an article by the Metro or, you know, the Sun or whoever it is. Right? And the, what's more important almost than the actual content of the story, because I don't think many people click on the link, um, it's the people underneath it creating the, the sub-narrative yeah. beyond it. And that is where I, I'm very lucky. I don't necessarily get caught up in it unless I've had a few drinks. <laughs> um, but friends of mine have suffered incredibly because of that. Now, there's a quote that I can never remember, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting because what, what happens is it's an avalanche of opinion. And it's, you know, so you, you, you know, go in the Daily Mail comments and search for the comments, right? You know, you're looking, you're looking for trouble, right? Yeah. Don't have to. But what happens now is that the article about Laura of being brazenly showing off her new, new legs really? on the street, <laughs> <laughs> um, flaunting and all that type of stuff. Nobody, most, more often than not, the people that are highly interested in having a comment on that a mean, and they will write it underneath. And unfortunately, people that are involved in that article innocently read those comments and they're toxic. Yeah. En masse, you know, one person is saying, oh, what a, what a slut, she's shit at TV presenting. Or, well, uh, no, well, 
what an idiot Matt is. Look at him banging on about his mental health again. One of those, you go, oh, I know, fuck off, whatever. But hundreds, all day, that's heavy. And that fear is, is actually very, very dangerous. So people live within that fear. And that is the biggest problem. So, you know, people, people can, you know, are smart these days as well to go, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to listen to that story about that person. I'm going to take that person's word for it when they actually spoke about this subject. It's been twisted somewhere. But it's the avalanche of comments and opinions and freedom of speech, yes, but like you're abusing somebody there, sir. That's that's highly dangerous. And that's one of the biggest problems for me. I mean, people are getting smart now to press, and but unfortunately, people are starting to kind of create this echo chamber of what they want to hear yeah. about a subject. And that's I feel that fear is kind of very dangerous and and, and, and highly and highly um, toxic in the world of media. Matt, when, when you are that person, because you, you've been there, you know, you, you've put yourself in, in the public eye, when you are that person and you're seeing the comments, I mean, like you said, there could be one negative comment and 90 positive comments, but how hard is it not to focus on that one negative one? Or as you put it, when there's lots of negative ones, how hard is yeah. it to remove yourself from that and say, you know what, I don't care what these people think. I don't know them. because for me, it would play mm. on your mind, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It depends what, for me personally, it depends what they're saying or what they're commenting about. Now, if I'm already a bit insecure about something, it really hurts. Um, if I've not done a good job and I know it deep down and somebody's gone, you've not done a good job, you're a shit presenter, um, that hurts because you go, oh, it's true. <laughs> but like a lot of them, you kind of go, oh, that's really harsh. And, I, and it's so, it's almost um, a numbing feeling when it happens. They're like, oh, it's just, you know, whatever. It's like if you're going to get um, whipped by your headmaster or whatever, caned. I mean, you, you may, if what, five or 50, it doesn't matter. You just, after a while, <laughs> fine. Um, but, and, and it depends on the type of person as well. So I know people who are just brilliant and they just, turn their phone off and they don't even look at the comments and they don't they don't even bother if somebody suggests one more time on twitter that my dog alan is sad because of his pug face i'm gonna hit the fucking roof and it really gets to me and i do bite i'm like that's just his face dogs can't smile like us humans are you stupid like (laughs) and that and and you don't even even question um, making fun of a, my dog, my love, the love of my life, Alan Shearer. I, I have seen your dog on Instagram, and it, it gets fed bacon, so it's definitely not sad. <laughs> <laughs> not all the time. I think you're dead in like a week if you get bacon. But yeah, he goes, he comes everywhere with me. He's got the best life ever. We're inseparable, and and that's what's really interesting. Like. It depends if it matters to you. One of the biggest things that I've learned, and I and I learned this the hard way, um, and it comes comes up all the time, is treating negative trolling as it is um, with compassion. And at first, I was like, "No, no, you should beat them. I do that. You should find them and beat them." <laughs> and and but the reality is, is that if somebody has had the time to watch your two minute video and then spend two to three minutes slagging it off and being personal about you. But when they haven't met you, they're in a bad place themselves. They're, they're clearly not that happy as a human being to, to be that mean 
And more often than not, that's really true. And, you know, sometimes when you say, no, shut up, I'm not having that. He'll be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean like that. Hey, can I have a follow? You're like, oh, well, don't say that. That's just riled me up. Um, but more often than not, and I, could, I know this because I've done it. I've, I've gone out and I've had a few drinks in the afternoon. I've got a bit drunk and not in a good mood. Wales has lost the rugby or something. Or, you know, I've got depression. I'm going to put it on that. I'm not in a good place. Go, I've, there's been some bad politics news. And then underneath Sky News's new story of um, 33 people have just died on a boat from Italy. And then underneath when people are like, yay, I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm going to have a go at you. I'm going to go in. And I've done that <laughs> to my detriment because you just, you're playing chess with pigeons. It's, it's a nightmare and it doesn't do anything for your soul. And, and you know, do you know what? Can you imagine what, what life and how sad and how angry and how upset and there's how much you think of fleeing persecution or something, you know? And, and if you use that compassion and, and the element of kindness, you tend not, well, I tend not to take it to heart or I tend not to engage because it's just, do you know what, I'm going to leave you there, sir, and wish you all the best. Treat, kill it with kindness in a way. The, the, the best thing to do is ignore these people. You, you hit the nail on the head there. But as you says, after a few beers, when you come back from down the pub and you see people ranting and you think, yeah. I'm not letting them away with that. You know, we've all it's been really here. Mate, I live, in the, I live in the mental health world where wellness and mental health and, and chakras and um, lots of this stuff is all in the same world. Yeah. And, and it's very hard. Like, all I hear about is kindness is magic and, and compassion is different. But it's so hard. I mean, if, if like, for example, I, no, I, in November, maybe a year ago, um, a friend of mine, Caroline, was going through a very difficult time online because of her personal life. Caroline, in the start of this year, took her own life because of many different reasons. But at that time in November, I saw this barrage of hate, this going to town on her. And, and I said openly, I, I absolutely feel bad and horrified by the way that Caroline's been treated. I got trolled for that by so many people. So like, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about, all these things. And, you know, there's hate, 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 hate. And it's so hard in that moment when it's really personal, you go, that's just a really horrible thing to say. It's the hardest thing in the world to be compassionate. It's yeah. the hardest thing. And that's why it's, it's, it's thrown around easily. Like, just be kind and compassionate. It's like, well, okay, but like that guy is just, and then cut forward to when my friend takes her own life because of this type of stuff. It's really, really hard to be compassionate. And, but it's still possible. And that's what's important to understand, that nobody's perfect. Some people are going to wind you up someday on social media or in real life. And if you can try and be compassionate, brilliant. If you can't, don't go hard on yourself. It's not like um, Ganesh is going to be angry with you or whoever. <laughs> your guru, uh, all this stuff. Like, I believe in all this stuff. And I, I, and I, want, I want it all to be, you know, I want to live in a life where you wake up and you meditate. And I want to be in a world where people do that. And namaste and chakras are all in line and all this stuff. But in the real world, people struggle. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to be compassionate. Like I just said, in that 
instance, in my, I became very, very cruel and bitter about it because kindness and compassion didn't work there, did it? Nobody was kind or compassionate, and I wasn't. And it's just this cesspit, but it's, it's so important to try. That's, and, and that's like the important message there for me. And Matt, I didn't want to touch on that, but that was obviously, you know, a very close friend of yours, and, and that's went full circle. You know, you've, you've seen the devastating effects that's had on someone so close mm-hmm. to you, and, and you've said it's, it's hard to bite your tongue. Where do you draw a line with this stuff? You know, that, that is essentially a, a young woman, a very talented young woman's life who has been taken because of the way that she's been treated online. Yeah, and, and that's, and, and it's, it's, it's really still hard to talk about, to be honest. And um, a friend of mine, Sophie, uh, also took her own life. She was on the show uh, Love Island. Um, and, this, and the thing is, what's important to point out, there's so many reasons for this. And I, I've been in that situation and it's still difficult to pinpoint, really, the mindset and all that type of stuff. A lot of judgment and the, the fear of judgment is, is pretty huge with people out there. Uh, the fear of... You know, being aware of how cruel people can be publicly and en masse, and like I say, that avalanche of hatred, being aware of that and then the fear of that coming tenfold is almost too much to take for people. And, and, and where, where I draw the line is my control over it spreading and that negativity spreading. If somebody says something really mean, it's up to you to nip it in the bud. If you engage, you're spreading it and you're, and it, like I said earlier, it's really hard to do that. You've got to be really tough to not. I, I went, when my friend Sophie uh, was buried, I was up in Newcastle and I, I've never been so incredibly heartbroken in my entire life to hear so much hurt in uh, a church. And, and it's still, it's still heartbreaking. It's still, I mean, it's not a day goes by when I don't think about it. and. I, was, I remember driving back and I stopped in the services to get out of my, my suit, to be honest. I got jerked, you know, the long drive from Newcastle to London and I just sat there for a bit, had a coffee. And I went online and I, you know, I posted something memorandum to my friend and there was a comment underneath with somebody with a coffin saying, you next. And... And, and that was my moment. I could have just gone, do you know what? I'm going to delete that message and I'm just going to assume compassion and, and let it go. But in that moment, I, I retweeted it and I, I put it onto Instagram stories and I got people to ban this person because I realized that looking into their profile, they were doing it to a lot of people and it was just a really, really mean thing to say on that specific day. Um, but from that experience, I've learned just report it uh, make sure that you get them taken off and try and, in hindsight, understand that that person is not a very good person for whatever reason. They're doing that. Um, and, and just try not to, to let it eat at you because that was my moment where I think that really, at that time, I was quite vulnerable at the time as well. So at that moment, they got to me. Um, on a good day, it's like, pew! Don't worry about it. It's fine. Everything's good. But like, you know, uh, that was my experience of somebody just going and pushing a button right in the worst moment. And I suppose that's what happens when somebody has a story about uh, about them printed, and it's not in their favour. And then 
millions of people say mean things. Yeah. It's hard to get that line drawn in the sand, right? It's hard to get that hindsight. It's hard to be compassionate, but it's really important to do that, to switch it off and to ignore it. Because otherwise, when I've seen it, it's it's deadly. And uh, I think that these, in my opinion, you know, as you says, that could have went a totally different way for yourself. You know, if you were feeling, you know, that slight bit worse, you just... That, that could tip someone over the edge. And I think that mm-hmm. these social media websites and platforms, especially Twitter, has to take a great deal of responsibility there and, and the people that are, they're allowing to use their platform. You know, and, and on the mm-hmm. whole, it tends to be people that are hiding behind fake names. They don't have a profile photo on there. But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because the damage can still be done. You know? Well, that's, the, that's, that's really important. And, it, and, and do you know what we can, like we, we talked about earlier, we can talk about this and analyse it and normalise this open conversation, but what are we going to do about it? That's, that's important to me right now. And there's lots of things, but with social media, there's a few things that I would love. Um, accountability is very important in the world for everything, and especially on social media. I mean, the fact that you can just say that to somebody, you next, you're going to die next of suicide because that's, you know, uh, it's it's hideous, isn't it? Um, And and the fact that somebody can just be banned and then get another email, set another one up, put another egg on their face and then do the same to thousands more people. The fact that they can get away with that, that's, that's pretty bad. And the accountability would come in for me that if there was some sort of two factor authentic or, um, authentic uh, p- application for uh say twitter so uh, i don't i know they're not doing this for lots of different reasons but uh because they don't the numbers would decrease <laughs> exactly but the reality is if your future employer can see your 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 verified twitter account where you have to show a passport and a, and a bill that's you and what you said is public access and you've just said that somebody should die because they are they they were caught having an affair or whatever whatever the story may be. The fact you just said I wish you would die or, or something so mean, I think it should be public access to the people that matter in your life. So the accountability would be there. Because if if you say, for example, if that person then with their face and the name and verification says that and they're aware of that and they get banned for a couple of weeks, that should go on a record, and that should be public access, and people should have access to that um, at all times. So you should have like a, like with the driving points and all that type of stuff. It should be there, because I think that would, and and I mean, it's not the ideal situation, but because of these comments, uh, people are embodied so badly because nobody's got any accountability. Nobody feels responsible for these words. Like the, the snowflake doesn't feel responsible for the avalanche, but it is. And the millions of other snowflakes feel the same too. Your words matter. And I think if there was a bit more of a process to uh, having your own account and a bit more of a verification process. So yeah, the... The snowflake never feels responsible for the avalanche, like all the other snowflakes don't as well. And it's really important to remember that when you feel like you want to comment on somebody's post by saying, 
you look fat in that. That's a mean thing to say. When, when thousands or hundreds or tens of people do it, it makes it 10 times, a thousand times worse. Yeah. And your words matter. Having accountability for your words really is a very important thing for me because, I mean, people throw away stuff, but it's the internet. It's there forever, I feel. Because it's online and everything's disposable these days, people don't really value what they say. And, and that comes down to self-worth again. But it's genuinely some, it could genuinely really hurt somebody's feelings and really damage them psychologically by your throwaway comment. Like, oh, they should have thick skin because it's the media. Like, no, no nobody. Like, I had this conversation. Yeah, it's conversation. absolutely obscene. It's, it's, it's mental. Yeah. Isn't it really where people I've had it, you know, you go, Oh, why are you biting for? You should have a thick skin. You were gonna You're not used to it, you know, Matt. You're not used to it. <laughs> and you go, Oh no, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for for this 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 really toxic world. Like when I when I started working in television twenty years ago, there was no Twitter, no Instagram. Yeah. And Nobody would just come up to me and go, "Your shit," <laughs> you know. Like, and if they did, there would be a problem. And and I think if, if if people did, there always is a problem. And that that's how bar fights start. And and I think that's that's the accountability. Like if you would not say this to somebody's face, don't say don't it to them online. Them. I think it's that disconnect. Is if that's the frightening disconnect, like guaranteed. And I see a lot. I, I love sport, like you do. I'm not as much as you actually. You're a big <laughs> football nut, aren't you? But like. I mean, the hot, visceral conversation around sport is heated, isn't it? It's, it's electric. And somebody has a bad game, it's like, I don't know, let's pick on Paul Pogba, for example. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine being Paul Pogba? And I know he's a millionaire and all stuff, but like, if he reads his tweets and all that, Jesus Christ, that's, that's unbelievable. As well, you know, like, this guy's a, a human being. Just yeah, but That's important to remember. And I think people forget, and, and yes, He's a gazillionaire, and yes, he's living his wildest dreams playing for Man United and all that type of stuff, but it still doesn't give you the right to call him names and all that type of stuff. And yeah, he might have a thick skin, but like he didn't actually sign up for that. I know in football there's terraces and there's this there's crowds and you, you this stuff, but like I mean I mean the whole the whole you know, this entire year has been um, been full of uh, action against racism. And the stories that you hear about what people have been called on the sidelines is frightening. Yes. And then, and now we, we that has been happening for centuries, well, decades, isn't it? You know, really worse. And now we see it; we physically see it on social media, and that's that's what's frightening is that you actually see you see the hatred now. Before yes. it's like, oh, I hear it; it goes on. That's not very nice. But you can actually see somebody say horrible, racist things to people. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's incredibly alarming and people should just, you know, watch their mouth. If you yeah. can't say it to somebody to their face, don't do it on Twitter, you big baby. And without getting too political, Matt, because I, I know we don't want to go down that route, but it doesn't help when you've got the prime minister being racist, you know, when you've got, the, <laughs> you've got the president of the United States, it's been absolutely outrageous as well. It, it almost legitimizes these people that are being horrible on social media when you've got one of the most powerful men in the world doing the exact same. It's... You're right not to try and get political, but there's two points to this, and I'd like to point out. 
Priti Patel bullied somebody and she's got away with it. What message does that send to our kids? She actively got caught and the prime minister has gone, I don't care really, carry on. And what message does that send to anybody young? And the same with Trump, like him or loathe him, still wasn't a great character, was it? It wasn't a good example of uh, how a human should behave in any situation. And, you know, politics aside and, and, and right or left and, and all that type of stuff, it's a difference of right and wrong. It's the difference of right and wrong. And, and what I loved about um, Joe Biden getting in was for four years, there's been a rise, and I've definitely seen it, in people thinking that actually being the loudest and being the most controversial and being the first to shout at something, that works because the president of the United States is there and then the president's doing it. Piers Morgan's just banged on a desk all year and shouted and been contrary about ideas and shouted about debates. And it's ruined, in my opinion, good television because people are like, oh, you, and we don't want you to be in the middle of a, a story. We want you to either be really madly on this side or really this side of it. We don't want any in between. We want everything to be polarized. We want to simplify a really complicated discussion. And it's not a discussion anymore. People are so afraid to admit that they're wrong, that they're so scared of that being a part of their day where the cognitive dissonance is going, no, no, you believe this. This is, but this it comes from my leader's mouth, but I disagree with it. No, I, oh, it's like, come on, politics is complicated. And what I feel, and, and without going too much about it, what I feel from those two example, examples with our leader and the American leader, it really did qualify bad behavior from people in power yeah. and and i don't appreciate that from people of power I, I i don't i don't think you know i don't want my politicians to be racist in any sort of way like obviously um, <laughs> is, that, is that too hard to ask Matt? you know it's is so- it too hard to ask I, I i what what i would like is a leader that isn't a racist that would be great thanks <laughs> not possible it's no. not possible has computer, to be on says your no. computer says no uh, it makes good articles i mean like this this entire um it, it's become politicized now um, having uh, the the vaccination and and all this i just saw on my phone now this is going to be further than the line of course so the, the news might have changed but um yeah, the, the Christmas, um, the, the allowance of five days of three households going into a house and, and doing all these things. And, uh, and whatever you think about that, whatever you, you disagree or, or agree, you're like, I can't help but feel that these news alerts are just like propaganda, like me tweets, like, hey, yeah. we're going to give you Christmas back. We saved Christmas. And you're like, oh, I don't believe that this is for the best of everyone. Uh, I feel like it's more of a pageantry offering. I, I you know? off on a tangent here, Matt, but I, I think the idea that we, we've to lock down for months and then at Christmas we can suddenly go and see our family for five days is, is crazy. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it just seems so regressive. And, and the thing is, there's, there's people that are struggling really badly without seeing their family and Christmas is all they have usually. Of course. Um, and there's people that have been in apartment blocks high up no balcony for months and it's 
and it's devastating. And, and I, of, of course, we've, we started talking about mental health and the ramifications and the negative ramifications of all of that for people's mental health is staggering and scary and, and awful. And that's the people that I give a shit about in this situation. I feel that they've just been played like fools by by people just trying to earn brownie points from a nation. Like, and, and I just I just feel like I don't want I don't want to be part of this manipulation anymore. I, I, I want to I want to be able to see through it. We're not stupid as a nation. We're, we're treating us dumb. We're treating us like we are. We are. We're just here for your 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 votes every now and then and and you, you think that you can get away with this stuff and I don't think you can and hopefully they, they won't and whoever it is, right, left, like I say, all parties, I want us to just have people that we can trust and I think there's not many people, whether it's TV, politics, film, podcasts and all that type of stuff, I'm losing out of people but to trust that's a, such an important thing for me. I grew up with people I could trust. Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> the place I trust him with my life. Um, but you know, that just warmth. I don't want to tune into a breakfast show all the time and see people shouting at each other about some really complicated um, political point that is much more important to look at from a or a yes or a no answer. Yeah. And I've been a part of that. And, I, and I'm guilty of that too. I was on this morning for years saying, hey, some stories today. We've, we've got the prime minister in and we're going to ask him some questions. So we're going to ask him, you know, what do you, what do you think about foreign aid? Yeah. Yes or no? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's much more common. Yeah. And, and you know what I mean? And I've been a part of that. And, and I feel a little bit bad about that. You know, when it got to him, I asked him what his favorite lunchtime snack was. Uh, so I thought, you know, I, I did my, my, my best for David Cameron's career there. But, and that's the problem. It's, it's simplifying complicated things yeah. and, and, and turning it into a yes or a no or a left or a right and a really polarized thing. And, and, and that's where people, and that's what I suffer is, is uh, well, I, I don't want to, have an argument with somebody about this because we might agree on some things but all of a sudden because i would say hey i'm not sure if i if i like pretty patel and what she does and i don't think bullying's good you know then i get put into a left category and all of a sudden i have soy milk in my coffee and all of a sudden i want everybody to be a marxist yeah. or i am a marxist you know that type of thing and it really annoys me like hang on now, what happened to the politics where you can go, I can see a point. I understand that. You come from a perspective from your environment, from your life, where you don't feel like the parents that can't afford to pay for their kids' meals should have the help from schools. You feel that. I completely fundamentally disagree. I think kids should always get help. It's not the kids' fault. And especially this year, I don't think um, uh, parents should be blamed because there's an international pandemic going on, you know. But there's room for debate there. I think I, I think I am almost guilty as well on on the same scale because you know I can't understand why anyone can comprehend not feeding kids, especially at Christmas. You know, and mm. and I, I've spoken about this in this podcast before with, with politicians and with other guests, and I'm not making excuses for the Conservative Party or for anyone that's voting for these policies. But I've never they've never lived a day in our shoes. You know, they, they, they've never been in these working class environments mm. where 
there's mass deprivation. So how can they actually understand that there's kids out there that won't eat? You know, they, they don't yeah. see it firsthand. And absolutely not making excuses for them. I, I, I think it's inhumane, to be perfectly honest. Mm. But how, how do you make these people understand? And that probably goes into a, a whole bigger question about why are the people that are in power not representative of the people that live in this country? You know, why did the majority of them come from privately educated backgrounds? You know, why at the moment are the, the majority of them putting out billionaire contracts to their friends or for PPE or for, mm. you know, I'm, I'm sure that will go further down the line when the, the COVID vaccine comes out as well. And it's mm. just, there's a, there's a real, for me, disconnect of working people and normal people in this country, what we would class as normal people, and the people that are in power. You know, it's, it's not the same. Yeah, so that, that, it's hard to understand both sides of it. And that, and that's where I think it affects people on a much more spiritual and mental health level, where it becomes us, us and them, uh, the elites and the, the, the haves and the have-nots. And I grew up with that, and we were have-nots. Um, now I would be in the category on the outside of somebody that is the haves and the elite, the media, champagne, socialist, elite. Um but and and it's far. Matter. You you want everyone to have champagne. That's the that's the big difference. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't it's have to nice. yours. No, not yeah. not the th- the problem is, and and it and it is a massive problem. Is that it's so much more complicated than what we'd like like it to be. We live in a world where we get. I mean. The, the, the hypocrisy of um, the analytic bureaucrat stuff from Brexit and then. And then, um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. The, the Barnum Castle idiot. Oh, Dominic Cummings. Dominic Cummings. And you, you have that type of situation where it's just, you know, it's jobs for the boys and that's it. It's, it's, it's privilege. And that's, maybe it's the last swing of the dice, the swing of the bat for all of that. And we are in a world where we are becoming a bit more open-minded yeah. and, you know, I mean, the very, you know, all the stuff that what, what Trump would have said and all that, like bring back coal, and it's just hankering on to uh, a nostalgia that was there. And I mean, I mean, my generation suffered badly from the shutdown of pits, and I still feel the weight of that that neglect, and like very much the same as um, with 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 the school dinners when they were going to be taken away. What that actually says, not, never mind the, the unhealthy, harmful ramifications of kids not eating, what it says emotionally is that people in power don't care about your kids. They don't give a shit. And that, that is what's damaging. And that's what I care about. I'm not, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm not aware of why, you know, for the last 10 years we've had people from Eton in charge of, uh, of people that, and they have no idea, they have, they have no experience. I don't know why really that's happened, but I know what's happening. I know what people feel. I know what it feels like to, ha- to, to have something happen where it feels like you don't, you're not cared about. Um, and on mass, that's happening right now. And, and it's really sad to see. And it's really sad to see good people being separated on views and, and, and there's no warm conversation about things. There's always heated arguments and shouting. Twitter has just become a shouty place now where people say mean things to each other. Um, and I'm not here sitting, sitting here saying that everybody should be the same, we should all agree on everything, but uh, I, I'm here to say that 
it would be really nice that in the future we could have a space or have the opportunity where we can explore ideas and work together on things more and disagree but in a really productive way and and I, and I feel that 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 is not actually a thing at the moment it's like you say left or right that's what, what, what box are you in and it's all that and I find that lazy and I and I, and I suffer from it too like if 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 I'm being proven wrong on something it takes a while for me to get used to that yeah and to admit that like, you know I'm not perfect in any in any form but it would be really nice if people can actually explore changing their mind on a few things or having an exploring another opinion because the fear of this echo chamber like we talked about is very damaging where you can live your life only hearing what you want to hear because that's dangerous well i really uh, appreciate your conversation i feel that you, you've been very open and, and honest and you know emotional at times as well i think it's been really really meaningful and i, I hope that you know lots of people will, will find comfort and also you know be able to relate to a lot of that as well so before we wrap up, we're, we're almost approaching a new year and I think we should probably be a, a bit more positive rather than uh, just talking about the doom and gloom and, and politics <laughs> and, and whatever else is around the corner. But what have you got lined up for, for 2021? There must be some exciting things. In oh, there. wow. Um, well, everything that I was supposed to do in 2020. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm producing a new show uh, called The Check-In where I'll be travelling around the country the the UK and Ireland and I'll be in a camper van just going to interview people and talking about mental health and normalizing the conversation and then talking to the experts to actually um, to look at that conversation and to look at where we can actually learn from these questions that we ask in the conversation traveling around Scotland I've been very lucky over the last you know all my career actually to travel to places that I would never have thought about going to i mean and i just want to do that i want to i want to it's my little love letter to the uk i want to get people to talk openly about mental health and i want to provide some solutions as well you need to pop by and say hi if you're in scotland definitely i'll be up there my friend the show is just about chatting and and, uh, having barbecues and and connecting and and realizing what's really important and uh and then doing that um we 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 were going to go to america with the check-in journal i've I've released a journal uh that's definitely helped me encouraging people to check in hopefully we'll be able to go to america and and, uh, and promote that promote people being more in tune with who they are and in that moment uh, i want to be able to make that journal free for everybody as well at some point uh which we did in the, during the first lockdown we gave it away for free but actually the, the hardback i want people to have that for free and i'm just going to live man i mean I, I i nearly fell into the trap about um what i always do is listing things that I'm going to do or I'm doing and when somebody says what are you up to like oh this is like a fucking competition this is like I've got to give you all the badges of things that I'm doing I am just gonna be present do what I want to do and get through it and be grateful try and remain grateful keep compassionate and live my life man go and see the country and travel a bit more because I've really missed it this year and uh, count my blessings if I get to do that you're going to take Alan Shearer with you, and for those Absolutely. that are for those He's that are watching, you don't actually mean the the Newcastle striker. It's your 
your pub no. that you've got sitting next to you? Yeah, yeah, I'll tilt down. Alan, he's asleep there, if you can see him. He looks comfortable, I have to say. Look at him, he's like a little furry prawn. Will you be taking he him is the love of my life. What's that? Will yeah. Taking him around the country? I can't bear to be without him, to be honest. I, I, he is my little co-host. Um, he's already done a few interviews with me already. He just sits there and snores. He's a good egg. He's a good egg. Terrible at directions. Terrible at directions. <laughs> and, but can drive really well. Good man. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. I'd love to see you too. And Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who's uh, watched this episode of the podcast. Please go back uh, and check some of the earlier episodes. And if you have not, please like and subscribe. Thanks very much.